bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. I'm Paul Dragu. We're glad you can join us. Here at The New American, we take the most important news stories, strip off the propaganda, and bring in the truth. Because of that, they heavily censor us. So please share these episodes with others. Now, there's a lot happening, so let's get started. In day two of his testimony, Dr. Fauci admitted that the six-foot social distancing rule that he and his merry band of technocrats imposed on us had no basis in medical data. BlackRock laid off hundreds of people and lost tons of money thanks to its ESG experiment. German farmers are making a fuss over globalist-imposed restrictions. Globalist leaders in Poland are throwing the nationalist opposition in jail. And the world is anxiously waiting to see how China reacts to Taiwan's upcoming elections. We have all that coming up and more. But first, elections have consequences, especially rigged ones. The sudden border crisis is one of the worst consequences of the Biden administration. And thanks to all this unfettered illegal immigration, we are now seeing new levels of absurdity abound across the nation. This week in New York City, the geniuses in charge bust 2,000 migrants into the gymnasium of James Madison High, forcing classes to go remote and residents to complain. In Chicago, entire terminals at O'Hare Airport have been turned into a squatting haven for migrants. And in Massachusetts, which, believe it or not, was once home to stalwart patriots and not always run by Marxists, the lieutenant governor is asking residents to take migrants into their homes. This lunacy, this funhouse version of the United States we are now living in, was created after the deep state rigged the election and put a senile and compromised walking corpse into the White House. That walking corpse handlers then selected Alejandro Mayorkas to be in charge of the nation's borders. And after three years of presiding over it, Mayorkas has successfully flooded the nation with millions of people from all over the world that we know absolutely nothing about. In the meantime, enough House Republicans have awakened from their slumber and decided to launch impeachment proceedings against him. Here's part of Tennessee Congressman Mark Green's opening remarks yesterday. Secretary Mayorkas is the architect of the devastation that we have witnessed for nearly three years. The findings of our investigation, available to the public at homeland.house.gov, coupled with the Secretary's refusal to change course on the reckless decisions facilitating this crisis, have left us with no reasonable alternative than to pursue the possibility of impeachment. On Secretary Mayorkas' watch, Customs and Border Protection has recorded more than 8.1 million encounters at America's borders, including more than 6.7 million at our southwest border alone. For comparison, CBP recorded just over 3 million encounters nationwide from fiscal year 2017 to 2020. Jay Johnson, President Obama's former DHS secretary, previously said that a thousand encounters a day, quote, overwhelms the system, end quote. On Secretary Mayorkas' watch, encounters have never averaged less than 3,000 per day, even going as high as 10 to 12,000 per day. Just a few days ago, internal CBP numbers leaked to the media showed another 302,000 encounters at the southwest border alone in December. By far an all-time record. That's nearly enough people to fill the Rose Bowl three times in just one month. In addition to these catastrophic numbers of the record 1.8 million known gotaways who've entered the country on Secretary Mayorkas' watch, 
Individuals that Border Patrol agents know slip across our border, but are not apprehended in large part because the cartels overwhelm the agents with large groups of coyote, paid, and escorted migrants. The agents see them and they count them, but they cannot apprehend them. But the numbers are most certainly far worse. As agents are moved to crossing sites to process migrants and the border is completely unmanned, there are no agents present to count the known gotaways. The number of unknown gotaways is no doubt enormous. Joining me to discuss today's stories is Editor-in-Chief of The New American, Gary Benoit, and Executive Senior Editor, Steve Bonta. Let's get right down into it, guys. I think breaking last night was news that this budget deal that House Speaker Mike Johnson uh, was working with the Democrats is, after all, in danger, and the border is front and center. What, what can you tell us about that, Steve? Well, I'm not sure of all the parliamentary details, but but effectively a late late afternoon session yesterday, while everyone was focused on all of the you know the sideshow involving Hunter Biden's unexpected incursion into a into a House hearing, and that 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 drew the attention of the news media. In another hearing, there or not another hearing in a, in a, in a in a in a in a committee meeting, there was some some procedural tactic was deployed by members of the Freedom Caucus to in effect prevent this compromised piece of legislation or a portion thereof that Johnson has been championing from getting out of committee. Mm -hmm. And because in, in, in that case, the voting, as I understand it, is strictly on, on party lines that enabled the, Demo you know, the Democrats, of course, all voted against it. And so that would, plus the Freedom Caucus people. And that was the end of it. And the, the, res the resulting cries of dismay and howls of, of, of frustration and anguish uh, were telling. You know, a lot of people, the Republicans were saying, I just can't believe, why would they do this? Mm -hmm. Don't they understand that we can't do anything about this in the Senate? There's the, you know, we don't have 60 votes in the Senate. There's nothing we can do. To yeah. which Chip Roy and company responded, as they have already, you know, guys, all we have to do is refuse to fund whatever. We have that power, regardless of what goes on in the Senate, right. because per the Constitution, all bills for raising revenue need to originate in the House. So if the House says, we're simply going to stop funding the Department of Homeland Security, so whatever they decide to do, and say, okay, all right, you know, if you, you guys want to play hardball, because the Biden administration all along has been saying, you know, the border is not negotiable. We're not going to be held hostage by these sorts of riders. Of course, they're closing ranks around this this pathological, you know, Mayorkas and his policies because it does serve their interest. As crazy as it seems, we've already, I mean, this is how they flipped California a generation ago. They brought in tons of illegal immigrants back in the 80s. And then, mm -hmm. of course, there was a mass amnesty act. And voila, a few yeah. years later, suddenly California and now becomes they're targeting a, a blue Texas. state. And they're targeting Texas. That's what this is all about. Right. They know it won't happen right away, but 20 years from now, mm -hmm. it'll bear fruit. And they'll have complete power. Sure, there. and they all know this. And and so, and so and frankly, so do a lot of these, these Republicans, but they don't really care because they're still, you know, firmly ensconced in this traditional mentality of their role is to play the noble losers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they, right. they seem to think that this is a, a good thing, this so-called compromise that they're playing ball, and this is how things get done. Gary, we are watching in real time the destruction from within of the United right. States. We're watching we? real-time national suicide because this country is committing suicide. But the thing we need to always keep in mind 
is that it is not inevitable. What is happening is a result of bad policy. And those policies can be changed. And the way to change those policies is to get back to the Constitution. It is. And people need to, to wake up. I mean, we at the beginning there, I talked about these people in New York. And there's more to the story. Obviously, we didn't include it. There's a councilwoman who wrote a letter who said she was very upset. And, and there's all sorts of news reports of parents being very upset that these migrants are kicking their kids out of school. You know, I guess that's kind of like one of the silver lining is this. Is yes. The, well, it hits government. home, doesn't it? Uh, it affects them personally. Yeah, yeah. It's no longer theoretical. Right, right. But but you 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 have to wonder how many of those people voted for Biden and how many of those people voted for the Marxists that infect Congress? Well, and I bet you a lot of them do that. Uh, I, I bet you're absolutely right. But I would uh, add to the questions that you just asked, Paul, how many are now being red-pilled? I'm sure many are. I don't, I don't know about that because it seems like there's still, there's such strong tribalism, tri tribalism that it prevents people from coming to rationale. What do you think, Steve? Well, I agree. I mean, obviously we'll find out in November of this year, I suppose, that the elections, if nothing else, are a useful gauge where we stand as a country. And we have been preached a sermon on radical Marxism nationwide for the last three and a half years. That's what this is. This is basically American Marxism. Okay? That, that, that's just, you know, cultural Marxism, political Marxism. There is a common thread to all of this. This is the Marxist recipe for undermining and destroying a prosperous, morally robust capitalist, capitalist society. And like they mentioned in that hearing, the uh, GOP um, uh, representatives there, this is intentional. Next up. Dr. Fauci officially admits the six-foot social distancing rule he imposed on the nation was made up. In 1988, the John Birch Society produced a documentary so predictive, it's as though they had a time machine. Out of Control, Immigration Invasion was produced and hosted by investigative reporter William F. Jasper and looks at the growing problem of unrestricted illegal immigration that, in 1988, already saw upwards of 10 to 20 million illegal aliens within the borders of the U.S. Unknown agents from around the world using the southern border as easy entry. Certainly some are innocent families escaping hardship, but also certainly some are criminals, potentially terrorists. Is it not appropriate that there be some criteria for the entry of any sovereign nation? Why should the U.S. be different than Canada, Germany, Russia, Japan, or every other country on the planet? Out of control, immigration invasion. Watch this time capsule of prescient wisdom at thenewamerican.com slash out of control. Folks, for more non-propaganda news and in-depth analysis from the New American Magazine, make sure you have a subscription to our twice monthly print edition of the magazine. The New American Magazine has been telling the truth and accurately projecting policy and cultural trends since 1985. We are the official magazine of the John Birch Society, which was founded in 1958 to stop the New World Order. No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long about where policy and culture were heading than the New American. You get a subscription online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab on top and then hit subscribe on the drop down. If you prefer, you can call for a subscription. 1-800-727-8783, Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 Central Time. That's 800-727-8783. On Tuesday, the House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic wrapped up its second and final day of Dr. Fauci's testimony. 
The day yielded some incredible revelations and flip-flops. According to subcommittee chairman Brad Winstrup, Dr. Fauci claimed that the six-foot-apart social distancing recommendation promoted by federal health officials was likely not based on any data. Apparently, Fauci said the guidance sort of just appeared. Well, that seems rather reckless. Remember, they kept children apart at school and everywhere else, and adults were ordered to stay away from each other at the grocery stores, airports, and even outside. Another major jaw dropper from the hearing was that Dr. Fauci acknowledged that the lab leak hypothesis is not a conspiracy theory. That's certainly a major turnaround. Remember, the White House was pressuring social media platforms to censor anyone who suggested that COVID was man-made. Furthermore, Mr. Science flip-flopped on vaccine mandates. According to Winstrup, Dr. Fauci admitted that America's vaccine mandates during the COVID-19 pandemic would increase vaccine hesitancy in the future. Now, that's quite different from what he said during his reign of power. Here he is in 2021. There are a number of people, for one reason or other, who just do not want to comply and get vaccinated. We've got to get them vaccinated. And hopefully they will do it willingly. If not, there will have to be things that will essentially put pressure on them, such as you're not going to work in this particular agency or institution. You're not going to be able to go to this college or this university unless, in fact, you get vaccinated. And I believe that once we start doing that, you will see more and more people willingly get vaccinated. <laughs> do you guys miss hearing that guy? Sounded very Orwellian, didn't it? Didn't it? He sounds like a tyrant. The the more that the COVID pandemic recedes into the past, the more it resembles a nightmarish dystopian science fiction scenario, like Stephen King's The Stand or something like that. And this this guy is for Mm -hmm. real, man, Mm -hmm. because it seems like he he has no remorse based on what we've heard from, from these hearings. He still has no remorse. Yesterday, we played another clip where MTG Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia said that to him, it seemed like some sort of like science experiment. uh, And he was completely detached from the effect that it was having. And now to find out that even the six foot rule was, was made up out of thin air. Gary, you had an interesting theory about what that really was. I I don't think it was made up out of thin air. And of course, uh, what I said to you off camera, Paul is is simply a a theory. Uh, I don't have evidence for it. But uh, obviously, if you have people in a crowd and those people are very close together, you're not able to monitor uh, individual people, right, Uh, with satellite or whatever. But if you get people apart by a certain distance, uh, then you are able to monitor individual people. Yes. I I don't think that's far-fetched. At this point, anything's possible. We see what these people are capable. We see that how eager and and hungry they are for power and surveillance and manipulation. There's so many reports that say that this is what they do. They manipulate us. They surveil us from, from all, from all angles. Uh, Steve, does any of this, uh, uh, surprise you? I don't think you were actually in the country at the time. What, what was it like no. outside? You were well, actually I, I was, in worse I conditions. In, I was in China, so I mean, I, I sometimes have a hard time. Conditions there were so much worse. You're not very sympathetic to us, are you? Well, <laughs> uh, certainly, I yeah, but I mean, I mean, but I do, I do think if I could play the devil's advocate for just a moment, uh, when COVID first burst upon the scene, of course there was no data. No one really knew it was happening, and so to an extent. Things like the six-foot rule, and I mean, you know, people really didn't know how the disease was, how transmissible it was. There, there were a lot of things that that, that were still unknown. So I, I think, 
I think we should be careful and separate on the one hand between honest mistakes that were made in the early going, mm-hmm. I- including, for example, the rush to develop vaccines, which, you know, you can't take shortcuts with those. You simply, ha- it, it takes lots and lots of trial and error stretched out over years to develop an even halfway f- effective vaccine, of which there are some, in my opinion, okay? Um, and this was compressed into, what, six months or, or eight months, and we were told at the end of, of a very Less short a period of time, we have these vaccines and they're foolproof. So on the one hand, I think there were some honest mistakes made, even if they were made by fundamentally dishonest men like, like Fauci. But on the other hand, there were willful lies, cover-ups, and propaganda from the get-go, particularly regarding the origin and etiology of the, of, of the virus, which they knew very well, and the way that they treated people who dared to claim, well, this probably came from a lab. And yeah. we know now the reason they did that was to, was to cover their own keisters because they knew, yeah, it probably did come from Wuhan, and that means we'll be implicated because we've been working with these guys, sending money to them, we're, we're involved. So they lied about that. And then, of course, the, the, the absolutely appalling things that they did to people who refused the vaccine and all this other stuff, which certainly was avoidable. So on the one hand, I mean, in, a, in an un, more or less unprecedented event like this, Okay, something that we've, we we was was this the staple of, of of science fiction for decades. You know, the mm-hmm. the release of a, of, of an engineered super virus that caused a pandemic worldwide. That that had, as far as we know, had never happened before, and so you know, yeah, there, but they there, there were those things. But then the other hand, the rest of this stuff, the lying, the cover up, the oppression, that is inexcusable. It was at the time. It is with hindsight. And, and and so well, you know. anytime you want you come out and say that we should force people to put something into their bodies whether they want right. it or not it doesn't matter what information you have that's a tyrant that is tyranny that is orwellian i want to talk about dr scott atlas he was part of the coronavirus pandemic task force with trump he wrote a book called a plague upon our house and the reason i'm bringing this up is because one of the things that he mentions in this book and that he mentioned in interviews about it was that he would show up, he naively would show up to these task force meetings with data, uh, thinking that they were going to use that data to base their response on. Well, what he says is Fauci and Dr. Deborah Burks, and among others, brought no data whatsoever. And he was very like confused about this until later he realized they already had a pre-game plan. Yeah, they, like, had an agenda, they already right? knew what they were going to do. We know from the simulations and whatnot. So, so I kind of, I don't think so, Steve. I think Dr. Fauci was always dishonest. I think he was part of. Oh, the- I don't know. He, he he is dishonest. But but yeah, I mean, a lot of the people. I mean, we live in a culture, and we have a, this in modern circumstance where we think that we, we we sort of assume that any problem that arises, we can solve it. That there's nothing beyond. I mean, we we're even you know, gaming out, well, what would happen if we found that Apophis or some other asteroid is actually on a collision course with Earth? Well, we'll launch nuclear missiles up there and we'll destroy it, you know, Armageddon style, you know. So we, we have, a, we have in theory, we have this idea that, that, that we have a technological answer for everything. Mm-hmm. And so th- th- that mentality, I think, you know, there were a lot of very energetic people who set about working on cures and figuring out how the virus or all this type of thing yeah. um, from, from the get-go with the assumption that, of course, we'll, we'll conquer it. We always have and so forth, and but the reality is that there are certain features of any virus, man-made or otherwise, that you just you can't deal with. Right. You know, with but but Steve, I would uh, argue that there already was a solution, mm. uh, as we quickly found out. There was hydroxychloroquine, there was ivermectin, mm. and right. these Which was uh, these solutions attacked. were attacked and they were su- suppressed by the establishment because they wanted to come out with their uh, 
um, their vaccines, and and mm-hmm. when which did, were not actually vaccines, right? And when did you ever see America turn in, into such a totalitarian type uh, society? Right. Uh, I mean, that's and, not- and I think that's what it's all about. And I would draw an analogy with uh, climate change, right? Because we're told that uh, we're destroying the the Earth uh, mm-hmm. as a result of what we're doing to the climate, and therefore we have to put in place this climate regime, which is totalitarianism. And the whole purpose is to shackle the planet rather than save it. Well, how, how about comparing that to, to COVID? Isn't that basically the same thing? We have this plant pandemic, and we have to sacrifice our freedoms in order to uh, fight this pandemic. Right, and that's already been mentioned as well by some of these climate cultists that we need to do the, uh, to avert climate change, catastrophic climate change, what we did with uh, COVID. Next up, Ray Epps' luck continues and BlackRock's value decreases. Imprisonment, forced labor, permanent separation from my family, perhaps death. I knew what could happen to people who were caught trying to defect, but the watchtowers stood yards away. The possibility of a new life in a different world, one without tyranny, was within sight. The West. I thought of the rewards no longer crushed under the boot of communism. I would work and make money, no longer restrained by the chains of collectivism. I would say what I wanted, without fear of spies and informants nearby. I would be free. The frozen rain and Romanian mud sipped from my gloves and cloths. I fantasized about the fire burning in the wood stove of my parents' home. But I pushed those thoughts from my mind, closed my eyes, and waited for the cover of the darkness. Get Defector, a true story of tyranny, liberty, and purpose by Mark Hobovkovich with Paul Dragu, a thrilling page-turner that will remind you how precious yet vulnerable freedom is. Available at shopjbs.org or Amazon. For a limited time, get 20% off your entire order using promo code DEFECTOR20 when you purchase DEFECTOR at shopjbs.org. Welcome back, folks. Remember this guy? Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. No! Peacefully! Fed! 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 We're here to storm the Capitol. Hell yeah. All right. Have a a good night. That's Ray Epps urging people to go into the Capitol on J6. There's lots more video like that. There's also video of him doing other suspicious things. If Ray Epps were any other MAGA extremist, he'd be labeled an insurrectionist and thrown in jail for 20 years. But he's apparently different. They won't tell us how. Anyway, since he's special, Mr. Epps just received a sentence of one year probation for his actions on J6. And even the folks at the establishment politics publication, The Hill, couldn't help but notice that justice sure seems out of balance in this situation. I see a lot of conservative chatter about this. Um, So obviously he is getting off lightly because he helped the government's case. He cooperated, et cetera. There has been a long theory promulgated by some conservatives that he was a government asset. No evidence of that has ever been presented. Um, However, I, I do find the, you know, if you just consider the side by side, they actually have Ray Epps on video at at both the riot itself and the day before 
urging people to storm the Capitol, to go into the building, being called out for doing so, clearly on camera, and he's going to get six months, whereas someone like you know Enrique, Enrique Tarrio, who wasn't even there, wasn't even there on January 6th, gets 20-plus years terrorism charges. Um, you know, that's the reality when you cooperate or don't cooperate, I guess. And researchers from Columbia and Rutgers universities just released a groundbreaking study revealing that the average bottle of water contains nearly a quarter million fragments of harmful nanoplastics, an alarming amount. Nanoplastics are particles less than a micron in size, and they're invisible to the eye. According to the study, quote, researchers have shown the possibility of nanoplastics crossing biological barriers in the body and entering biological systems raising public concern about its potential toxicity. And here's some good news. 600 BlackRock employees are getting their pink slips in the coming days. According to Fox Business, the world's largest money management firm is cutting about 3% of its global workforce. Internal communications describe the cutbacks as routine. However, BlackRock's bottom line is showing the effect of political backlash to the company's embrace of environmental social governance investing. Known as ESG, or stakeholder capitalism, it's a way for companies to virtue signal their own wokeness. Here's BlackRock founder and CEO Larry Fink describing ESG during a 2017 New York Times DealBook panel. Behaviors are going to have to change, and this is one thing we're, going to, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors, and at BlackRock we are forcing behaviors. What we are doing internally is if you don't achieve these levels of impact, it, your compensation could be impacted, okay? You have to force behaviors, and if you don't force behaviors, whether it's gender or race or just any way you want to say the composition of your team, you're going to be impacted. There's that, um, that theme again, guys, force, force, make people do what we want them to do, make people do what they don't want to do, but we want them to do over and over. I guess this is good news, though. It looks like BlackRock, all that negative publicity is paying off uh, when it comes to right wing media or alternative media. There's been a lot of publicity on BlackRock and it seems to be paying off. What are your thoughts, Steve? Well, my thoughts are that, you know, it, it, it does go to show that this sort of pure Ayn Randian version of successful capitalists, which Larry, Larry Fink and it's, you know, is or has been such, undeniably so, this idea that they're, that, that they're pure, that they're only dedicated to, the, to rational self-interest, and that they're uncannily good, adept at, at figuring out what the market wants, what the consumers want, and supplying it. And, what, and, and, and so it's clearly not true that, in fact, many of these people maybe have a good run and then get blinded by these sorts of weird prejudices, uh, get consumed with power, get consumed with, with partisanship. And so, I, I mean, you know, to the extent that there are capitalists or, or entrepreneurs who are kind of Randian in the sense that they really are devoted to the free market and want to, you know, want to, to compete on an honest field with other people and don't believe in mingling ideology with, 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 with market behavior and so forth, they probably exist more at the, the grassroots level. You know, mm -hmm. the means it, it's all, it seems to be almost impossible. Elon Musk perhaps is an exception to this yeah. for someone to ascend to the, you know, multi-billionaire status, become a globe-trotting, uh, you know, uber capitalist type and not ultimately 
get sucked into globalist politics, which of course means the politics of socialism. Lest we forget, okay, there were two people who founded Marxism as we know it. Karl Marx gave his name to it. The other guy was Friedrich Engels, and, and he, he was a capitalist. Yeah. He was a really wealthy guy yeah. who used his money to support it. Yes, yes. He paid Marx. Uh, he, he, he basically took care of him, although my understanding is in very shabby conditions. Yeah. And actually, I would say, Paul, looking at the world in terms of capitalist countries versus countries that are anti-capitalist uh, is really not the best way of looking at it. Uh, because what is capitalism? It's the, the means of, of production. And, uh, you know, certainly uh, communists, uh, they believe in capital. Yeah, uh, they, you know, sure they do. believe in factories and, and whatnot. So a better way of looking at it is who controls the capital? Uh, should it be the, the people who are responsible for creating that capital? Or should it be the government? Uh, should it be somebody else? And if you look at it that way, then it makes a whole lot more sense that you have these super capitalists working hands in hands with totalitarians such as communists, because they want to control the capital. They want the monopoly. They now want the monopoly. Top. So there are people, uh, you know, in capitalism, and including people who have benefited from it, uh, they want to have complete control. They want to have a monopoly. They have much more in common mm -hmm. with the communists than they do with uh, people like ourselves who support competitive well, free enterprise. Well, clearly. I mean, there's Fink saying over and over, we have to force people to go along with this insanity. Force, force. How many times did he say force in there? We heard Fauci right. previously. We have to make people put this this thing, this this harmful thing in their body. What about Epps? We have a few minutes here. Is anyone surprised by this slap? Well, certainly not the people who happened to be around Epps when he was saying the things he was saying. Did you hear the people shouting, Fed, Fed, Fed? Yeah, we play that a lot. <laughs> it was obvious it's to them. The it's obvious. I mean, it's, and, and Epps is going around. My understanding is that he's suing anyone, who, I guess, who's insinuating uh, that, that he's a Fed. But, I mean, what other kind of explanation? Uh, what do you make of this, Steve? What are your thoughts on it? Well, I, again, the, the Hill couldn't ignore the facts entirely, but right. they did... Wasn't that fun? That was well, 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 so, so their explanation is, well, he obviously cooperated, cooperated and these other people didn't. Oh, yeah, he cooperated all right. And yeah, cooperation, yeah, you know. doubtless, began well before well, January Certainly there were other people who cooperated too, but they still did not get the, That's right. the kind of treatment no, that is, F. Scott. This is just, this. we're experiencing a global like gaslighting campaign. This right. is just crazy. But the thing is, Believe it's so not your obvious. Is it? I mean... Over there, kid on 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 the hill, he can't even say that it's it's obvious. I mean, he's kind of insinuating in it, but it's well, like, was he going to lose his job if he says what's obvious? But wasn't yes. it obvious? Uh, wasn't it obvious though? Watching that kid on the hill, yeah, that it was. He's kind of that's why conflicted. He's kind of uh, struggling with it. Yeah, yeah. He's like, well, I guess you know, yeah. that's what you get for uh, yeah. for cooperating. No, man, yeah. no, it's not. But it's like the the fable about the emperor's new clothes. It is, and it took it? a little kid to say the emperor's naked. Yeah, but there's still too many who who are ooing and aahing, uh, believing the the lies in the in this this campaign. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, and now this after Graves, the D.C. attorney Graves, the U.S. attorney, just said what was it like last week that now they're going to broaden their attack and they're going to start going after people who didn't necessarily go into the Capitol but were in restricted areas. So they're saying they're going to go after more people. Meanwhile, Epps here, yeah. who is saying, go, go, and urging people to go, he gets nothing. Yeah, he gets probation. It's crazy, man. Absolutely yeah. crazy. Did he actually enter the Capitol? I actually don't know, because I, thought, I yeah. thought about that while I'm... Yeah, to my knowledge, he did not, but I'm not absolutely sure. But 
Um, but uh, he was at one of the, the barricades right. uh, urging people to go in yes. when, when there was a bit breakthrough. Yes. yes, yes. And we didn't play that video. But yeah, there's he whispers into someone's ear and the seconds before they they rush. And nevertheless, again, like the Hill pointed out, Enrique Tario wasn't even there. And he gets 22 years. Next up, we're going to look at international news with major implications. Freedom is the cure. You're dead on. This is the largest experiment performed on human beings in the history of the world. The more you know. What they're doing is they're forcing vaccination on people. And I believe they are killing people with this vaccination. The freer you are. It's murder. They are basically murdering people in hospitals. The all-cause mortality we know is now higher in the vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group. Stay informed on the issues that affect freedom. Get a subscription to The New American today. TheNewAmerican.com The New American has just released our latest bookazine, a collection of articles on self-reliance. It's called Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. Without individual responsibility and without the ability to take care of ourselves without government help, we cannot be free. In this Polished Collector's Edition, we have articles on a number of important topics, including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearm self-reliance, building a wood shack, and the importance of community, among many other topics. Now, the authors of the articles are experts in their fields. We encourage you to get a copy. You can order your copy at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop, or you can call our office at 800-727-8783. However you do it, make sure you get your copy of Self-Reliance, The Foundation of Freedom. The German government plans on cutting agricultural diesel subsidies for farmers. As a result, German farmers have been protesting and blockading highways throughout the country. One of the politicians responsible for this policy is German Minister of Food and Agriculture, Cem Ozemir, who was accused of prioritizing WEF and eco-politics over the interests of German citizens. The WEF-aligned German Minister of Food and Agriculture was shouted down by protesters on Tuesday night. Ozemir compared the political split in Germany to the United States. He said, quote, this is a dangerous divide that can lead to conditions like those in the USA. People no longer talk to each other. They no longer believe each other. And they accuse each other of all the evil in the world, end quote. And less than a month after taking office, Polish Prime Minister and World Economic Forum Agenda contributor Donald Tusk ordered Polish police to arrest political opponents Marius Kaminski and Masi Wasik yesterday. The two politicians were previously pardoned by Polish President Andrzej Duda. The two men are described as political prisoners by opposition leaders. Law and Justice Party member Yaroslav Kaczynski said, we now have our first political prisoners since 1989. It's a scandalous. They were convicted because they fought crime, including those high in the social hierarchy. In short, we are witnessing a ferocity that reflects the nature of the current government, which itself has people in parliament hiding behind immunity. There is no order in Poland. In response to the arrest, Citizens are peacefully protesting outside the presidential palace in Warsaw. 
And it's election time in Taiwan. The world is watching anxiously to see what China might do. This Saturday's presidential elections in the small island nation determines whether Taiwan will continue to assert its de facto independence from China or if it will take a more accommodationist approach to an increasingly threatening mainland communist government. The Chinese communists have been desperate to conquer the Free Island Republic for more than 70 years because Taiwan, one of the world's freest and most prosperous countries, displays exactly what a free China could be. Over the last couple of years, China's aggressive dictator Xi Jinping has embarked on a program of almost constant military bullying and intimidation of his neighbors, especially Taiwan and the Philippines. And he has said that in no uncertain terms that he intends to conquer Taiwan by force. The leading candidate in Taiwan's polls is Michael Lai of the Democratic Progressive Party, who favors formal independence of Taiwan from China. Lai is the intended successor of current president Tsai Ing-wen, who has been the target of Xi's wrath for years, most notoriously when former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan. If Lai is elected, there are very real concerns that the long-feared Chinese attempt to invade Taiwan might follow, possibly later this year, with the United States, Taiwan's major protector, distracted by elections and hamstrung by weak leadership. Well, it's certainly not all quiet on the international front, is it, Steve? Well, no. And I mean, um, first of all, just regarding Poland, jailing political opposition, where would where would they have gotten that no! idea? Could they no, gotten that, idea? that doesn't <laughs> yes. happen here. Yes. Yes. Yeah, could they have gotten that idea from the United States? <laughs> well, that was what I was well, insinuating. Well, I'm sure they were doing it before we started doing it here. To be sure, to be sure. But, uh, you know, when, when, when the so-called leader of the free world is, is, is engages in such, in such antics, mm-hmm. we should not profess surprise that other countries do the same, follow our example. So anyway, re, I mean, <clears throat> regarding Taiwan, and we'll have more to say about this in, in, on tomorrow's show. We're going to talk a little bit more in detail about this, as we have done in the past. But it is a very, very, very important issue going forward, inasmuch as it probably has at least as much potential, if not more so, than the current conflict in Ukraine or the Middle East conflict of generating a true world war between the United States and China. China. And frankly, I mean, if if the current, the DPP, the the Democratic Progressive Party, which is the party of Tsai Ing-wen, she she is completed in pleading two terms and she's term limited out, so she can't run for a third term in office. And... During her tenure, what had been gradually improving cross-strait relations deteriorated very rapidly. And so, of course, mainland China blames it on her. But in fact, it's actually, this predated her coming to office because Xi Jinping has been in power longer than she, than she has been. And he's the one that really started this more aggressive, when he came to power in 2012, that's the whole reason that the people in Taiwan said, oh, well, we better... We better jettison these the, the, the more moderate Kuomintang, which uh, ironically, the Kuomintang, which is the party, the KMT, which is agitating for returning to some semblance of the status quo ante where they're, they're getting along and people could travel back and forth between the two polities more or less freely. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, They lost credibility because people said, oh, my goodness, you know, this guy, Xi Jinping, look what he's he's definitely a new brand yeah. of communist leader or perhaps Worse still, harkens back to the old brand of Mao Zedong. He certainly is consciously imitating Mao. Okay, mm-hmm. So it is his ascension and his new, very aggressive bullying style 
that he's deployed not only against Taiwan, but also against India, against the Philippines, against Bhutan. Most people don't even think about Bhutan or know where it is in a map, but he has more or less stealthily annexed more than 10% of the territory of that country. Well, isn't it small you know, to begin with? It's small to begin with, but it's a Himalayan country. Yeah. It's in the, the Bhutanese are, a Tibetan, are ethnic Tibetans, so of course China claims the whole of it mm-hmm. because they claim sovereignty over all ethnically Tibetan peoples. Yeah. Anyway, I don't get into that. But anyway, so with all of this, uh, it, it, this has pushed Taiwan to re- reevaluate, to realize, my goodness, you know, th- th- this is really... Fra- the, the last time they truly threatened to invade uh, was back during the the crisis in the mid-1990s when yeah. Clinton was in office and they began massing troops along the coast of Fujian preparing for a cross-strait invasion, at which point mm-hmm. Clinton ended up sending a large naval task force complete with air, uh, you know, aircraft carriers into, into the area. And at that point, China backed yeah. down. And of course, you know, they lost face. They were humiliated because of it. They're burning with resentment to this day. Xi Jinping doesn't intend to repeat that mistake. Why is it likely that, that if, if, if well, first of all, the DPP, there has never been in Taiwan's history any party that has been successfully elected for three terms in a row. So that would be historic if, if Michael Lai wins tomorrow. Yeah. Okay? Um, if he does, he is supposed to be much more of an agitator for independence than even Tsai Ing-wen. And what do we mean by this? Okay, isn't Taiwan independent already? Well, what, what we mean is this notion that at some point Taiwan simply needs to unilaterally say... We, are no, we no longer seek any form of reunification with the mainland. We are an independent country. Deal with it. Yeah. Which so far they've refrained from doing so at the behest of the United States and other internet and obviously the mainland China. They, they, they've maintained this fiction for decades now that, well, we're really part of the mainland, but, you know, we're just in, we do things our own way. But, and so this is the excuse for re- it allows countries like the United States to recognize mainland China, make obscene amounts of money mm. off of trade. And at the same time, sort of have relations with Taiwan while technically disavowing their status as an independent state. Yeah. Okay. So all of this could come to a head this year because of this election and because, of course, uh, you know, the U.S. is perceived as being incredibly weak right now. We distra- have our own distractions, needless to say. And Xi Jinping has lots of problems at home, mostly economic. The, the Chinese economy is yeah. in freefall all of which adds up to a perfect storm and a very strong inducement to say, well, you know, by this time next year, the U.S. could have President Trump again. So it it might be now or never. And also, it's not clear that China is going to get any stronger vis-a-vis the United States going forward. Thank you, Steve. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of The New American Daily. Remember to visit thenewamerican.com for more truth-finding news. Please join us again tomorrow for another episode.